Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. Well, this morning we're going to continue our series, Ruth Better Than a Fairy Tale. And, you know, if you missed, you know, last week or the week before last, you know, you can read the book of Ruth. It's a really short book, four chapters. it take you roughly three and a half to five minutes or so maybe to read it, depending on how fast you read or you can listen to it. Great, great Bible. There's so much in this book of Ruth, and I've enjoyed this so much. But just in case you did miss it, you can go and listen to the podcast, or you can go in and find the YouTube page. You can go to our webpage, find the YouTube page. You can watch the entire service or speed up to the sermon. I'm going to give you a quick synopsis of the week before last and last week. There is a famine in the land of Bethlehem in Israel, and people are desperate. This is where we meet Naomi and her husband, Elimelech, and their two boys. The situation, again, is is desperate. They're longing to survive. And so they decide to do the unthinkable. They pack up their bags and they go to where there is food. There is food in this place called Moab. And the Moabites and the Israelites, they were not friends. They did not get along There was hostility toward one another. There was racial and ethnic division towards one another. Yet so desperate are Naomi and her family that they do the unthinkable. They pack up their bags, leave everything they had in Bethlehem, and they move to Moab. And as they settle into Moab, tragedy happens. Naomi's husband, Elimelech dies, buried in Moab. And for a woman in this time in history and in many cultures in this part of the world, you were dependent on your husband for your livelihood, for your well-being, for your security to provide for you. So without a husband, and because she's a little older, this is now going to fall to her sons to take care of mom. The two sons growing up without a dad, they find Moabite women, they get married, And then tragedy strikes again. Naomi's two sons die. Now Naomi is this old, widowed, childless woman. She went from being desperate to being less desperate to being really desperate and despondent. Things look hopeless. But there's, you know, there's word that back home in Bethlehem, there's going to be a harvest. So Naomi tells her daughter-in-law's, look, you don't want to follow me. I have nothing to offer you. Go back home. Go to your father's. You're young enough. You'll find new husbands, and you'll have children. You'll have a life here in Moab. One of the daughter-in-law says, you know, it sounds like a great idea, Mom. Love you. Good luck. See you later. And she's gone. But the other daughter-in-law, Ruth, who we have the name, the book of Ruth from, you know, says these profound words. You know, let your people be my people. And she clings to her and says, let nothing but death separate you and me. And they arrive back in Bethlehem. They're excited to see Naomi because it's been 10 long years. And this is what she says, like, hey, don't call me Naomi, which is beautiful or delightful. Call me bitter because she's bitter at God because God has judged her, she feels. Yet there's a little glimmer of hope because the harvest is about to begin. Then we open up chapter 2. It's the harvest. 
There is food. But Ruth and Naomi, they are widows, you know, and both childless widows. And Ruth is a foreigner. A little glimmer of hope is that Naomi sends Ruth out and says, see if you can glean someone's field. Gleaning was a practice that God had established for his people to care for those who were less fortunate, those who were widowed, those who were foreigners, those who had nothing, that they could come and pick up the little pieces of grain that were left over. And if you hear stories sometimes from some of you maybe, you know, or your grandparents who lived long ago, sometimes farmers did that even here during like the Depression. They might leave just a little so those who were really needy would have something. So Ruth, you know, approaches a foreman. Can I glean from your field? The foreman knows his boss, a guy named Boaz. He says, yes, of course you can, because this is the time when a lot of God's people were not following God's ways. Boaz is unique. He's a man of character. So she's out there gleaning the field. Boaz shows up, you know, checking things out, greeting his people. And then he sees this woman that he doesn't recognize, asks the foreman, who is this woman? He's like, well, that's Ruth, the, the Moabite, the one that came with Naomi. Oh. And he invites, you know, Ruth to come over, and he, you know, hears her story. And he invites her to come with his other workers and have food, and she's got leftover food. And he says, you're, you're welcome to come and glean here. And you can come get water, and, and you can, you know, you can come glean here, because I will make sure you're under my protection. And then as she goes back to finish gleaning, you know, he turns to the foreman and says, look, let her glean, tell the guys not to harass her. I'll also tell them to kind of, you know, take those stalks of barley that they have and do these kind of like, oops, we left a stalk, and just leave it there. Make sure she's got plenty. So she goes home that first day. She's got somewhere between probably 30 to 50 pounds worth of grain. I think she must have either been really muscular, you know, um, or, you know, maybe they sent her with the donkey or helpers. I don't know. But, you know, here's Naomi's probably going like, I don't know. Is Ruth going to be okay? She's a Moabite. She's on her own. And here comes Ruth. And not only does Ruth have some leftovers to share with Naomi, she's got grain, not just enough grain for the day, but enough grain that they can sell that, that Boaz has graciously provided for them. And, of course, Naomi's like, tell me the story. Tell me, tell me what happened. Where'd you go? Where did you glean from? She says, well, I, I gleaned in the field of a guy named Boaz. And Naomi's like, oh, Boaz. He's like one of our family members. He's what we call you know, a kinsman redeemer. And this is where we pick up today. Ruth chapter 3. Naomi's got a plan. She's been kind of working these things in her mind, and this is how it's going to work out. She tells Naomi, all right, Naomi, or tells Ruth, it's time. Ruth, go ahead and, and bathe. I don't know how often they bathed back then, but go bathe yourself. Put on some perfume, anoint yourself with some perfume, smell nice, and put on some clean clothes. I know it sounds like this is like romance, like Naomi's kind of like the fairy godmother of Cinderella going, let's just make it magical, so it's a magical moment. She says, you know, here's what you're going to do. You're going you're gonna to take a shower, you're going to bathe, you're going to put on some room, you're going to clean up, then you're going to go to Boaz in the middle of the night, they're threshing the grain, and you're going to sneak in there, and, you know, you're going to make things just, it's going to be romantic. But as we found in the book of Ruth, if we just read through it sometimes, if we go skim through this scripture, we miss some important details. Some things that just make you go, wow. You see, in 2 Samuel, we read about David. David had a time of mourning because he had lost his son. Some of you know that kind of pain. 
And he had lost his son. He had been mourning for an extended time. And then he decided the time of mourning had come to an end. And he was going to take the next step in his journey forward. Let's read together the words from 2 Samuel 12, verse 20. So David got up from the ground, bathed, anointed himself, and changed his clothes. He went into the Lord's house and worshipped. Did you, did you get that? If you remember that Naomi and Ruth are both what? They're both widows. They have been mourning. So Naomi is not just playing matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Naomi is saying, Ruth, our time of mourning has come to a close. It's time for you. It's time for you to bathe, to put on perfume, to anoint yourself, you know, and put on clothes and take the next step forward. The time of mourning has come to an end. And Naomi sees hope in God and what God will offer. So here's Ruth. You know, Ruth is going to um, go to the threshing floor. Now, you got, some things you've got to know about the threshing floor, by the way. The threshing floor, when they did this, you know, they would do this in the evening because the west wind would pick up and the west wind would pick up and... If you know what threshing is, you take the grain and you throw the grain like barley up and the wind comes and it blows the chaff because the chaff is lighter. You know, for those of you who know what chaff is, chaff is just stuff you don't want. It's all the little debris and stuff like that. Kind of think like corn when you husk the corn. You know, you want the corn, not all the other stuff. So all the other stuff goes away, grain falls down. But this is a guy's night. This is a guy's way of celebrating the harvest. The guys went to the threshing floor, not the women. You know, they'd have food, they'd have drink, they'd work. You know, kind of think like sometimes when guys get together and they have a project to work on. Sometimes we have work on a project that's more eating and drinking and telling jokes and laughing and stuff than it is sometimes working. But, you know, they're going to do some work, but they're going to celebrate. And so when, when Ruth, you know, bathes and, you know, puts on perfume and, you know, puts on some clothes, it's not like she's just going to walk right in there because this is a guy's thing. In fact, you know, in fact, it's a bit of a risk that she's taking. I'm just going to ask you that question real quick. Let me ask you this question. When was a time you took a risk making you vulnerable? Just think about that. Consider a time when you took a risk that made you vulnerable. Because, you know, when Ruth, again, she shows up, she doesn't show up like, here I am! You know, it's more like she probably, you know, waited till the sun began to set, you know, found a tree or somewhere to hide behind, is looking, wondering, waiting, looking, wondering, waiting, and finally as it gets dark, you know, she does a quick look around, maybe a quick smell check, you know, make sure she smells good, and then she slowly, you know, begins to carefully make her way to the threshing floor. You know, she's got to wait till she hears the party sound begin to slow down. And she sees Boaz, you know, go into the barn. This Boaz, he's an older guy. He's like, you guys, you young guy, I'm, I'm going to bed. And so off he goes. And as he disappears and he falls asleep and, and she can tell the party maybe he's winding down and she finds that moment to kind of sneak in. You talk about making yourself vulnerable. 
Because if other people saw her, they're going to assume that something more than romance is going on here. Something a little more risque is perhaps unfolding this evening. And Ruth goes there and she sneaks in and Boaz, he's sleeping, and she lays herself at Boaz's feet. Do you think about a time when you took a risk making yourself vulnerable? I'll give you an example. A little over 30 years ago, Portland, Oregon, Boardwalk, Willamette River, I did the traditional get down on my knees and say, will you marry me? There's a risk there because, one, she could have said no. She could also have said no, and off I went to the Willamette River. I could have went for a swim. And this is really what we see unfolding here with Ruth. Ruth, when she lays herself at Boaz's feet, she is risking vulnerability. She is in many ways, just like, you know, we might traditionally do as a guy to put her knee down and be vulnerable to the woman that we're asking to marry us. So Ruth is making herself vulnerable. There is a sense of trust in this guy that she has gotten to know, of his character, of who he is. So she's lying there. We don't know for how long she's lying. She's lying there for a while, you know, and Boaz, he's doing what? He's leaving. You know, and then he wakes up, and there's somebody right there. Have you ever done that before? Woke up and found somebody right there? You know, I, I remember a few times I did that with, with my kids, you know, and usually I'm a fairly light sleeper, so if I hear noises, you know, I, I wake up. And there I was one time, I woke up, and there were these little eyes looking at me, and I'm like, Wah! You know, I can imagine this what Boaz was like. He was just sound asleep. You know, he had food, he had drink, they had party, he'd worked. He's just sound asleep. He wakes up, probably maybe gets a little cold, and he looks, and there is this face and these eyeballs, because Ruth probably hadn't slept at all. She was probably there kind of anxious and nervous because she's vulnerable here, taking a risk. And he's like, who are you? And she's like, I'm Ruth. In fact, let's read those words together. Ruth 3, verse 9. I'm Ruth. Spread the corner of your garment over me because you are my family redeemer, my kinsman redeemer. So there she is. She's been following what Naomi told her to do. Boaz has woken up, asked this question, who are you? And she's like, I'm Ruth. Spread your garment over me. Now, she might have been cold. But again, I'm telling you, if you gloss over things, you miss a lot. There are some profound words that Ruth is saying here. Because it's not only just spread your garment over me, and it may very well be that this is a way of saying, in a sense, a proposal in a way. But even more deeply than that is that Ruth is also demonstrating faith. She's demonstrating faith as she reaches back to something Boaz said some time before this, something we heard in chapter 2 last week. These words of a blessing that Boaz spoke to Ruth. Let's read these together from Ruth chapter 2, verse 12. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. Though our English translation may not pick that up, 
Those are the same words. Those words of garment or wing. So really what Ruth is saying is the blessing that you prayed over me some time ago, I'm asking you to be the answer to that blessing. I'm asking you to be the answer to that prayer. That you would be the one that God provides to spread his wing over me. You would be the one that would redeem, would restore me, would provide for me. This is profound imagery. And this is an imagery that God picks up on through the prophet Ezekiel. As God is speaking to Israel, like Israel is a woman and, and, and a bride, which is great language because we have that in the New Testament as well where we're talking about the church is like the bride and Jesus is the bridegroom. And in Ezekiel, we read these words. Let's read these together. It's two slides here. I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered you. Then I solemnly promised that you would belong to me and that I, the Lord God, would take care of you. You're just going to pause and let this sink in for just a moment. This is God speaking Israel, and we can hear God speak those words to us, to you today. That promise that he will spread his wing over you, his garment over you. That promise, a solemn promise that you belong to him, that he will take care of you. So Ruth, you know, asks this question, makes this connection and then Boaz, you know, Boaz is like, wow. He's Ruth, you know, you could have asked any guy, any young guy, and they would have happily said, yes. You've come to me, this old guy. I don't know how old he was. We don't know why he didn't have a wife, whether his wife had passed away, he was a widow, whether he had just never married before. But she approaches him says, but you are a family redeemer. You are a kinsman redeemer. Boaz says, I'm not even first in line. Boaz is really saying, I don't have that obligation because there is another one before me that has that obligation. But I will go ask him. And if he says no to this obligation, then I will say yes. And then he sends her home with we don't know exactly what the measurement of grain was like. I imagine it's probably kind of like it was before, some 30 to 50 pounds worth of grain. So she's coming back, and you know me, you know, is, you know, if you've ever had a friend that maybe was waiting for a proposal or something like that, you know, I imagine she's just kind of, I wonder how it went, I wonder how it went, I wonder how it went, and here comes Ruth, and she's like, tell me everything, tell me everything, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. And then Ruth tells her the whole story. Well, you know, I snuck in there, and I was laying at his feet. It was cold, and, and they woke up, and I scared the blood out of him. And, and then, then I, I asked the question, and he said, there's another, but, but he, would, he would ask, and he would say yes if he said no. And Naomi, you know, she's like, wow. Well, he will act on this. We know Boaz. Now we just need to wait and see what happens. So the story of Ruth is more than simply a fairy tale. 
is more than just a romance story. It's really a story of God's love for you and for me. Of how God provides and cares for us, most especially in his son Jesus. Now think about fairy tales. You know, fairy tales, you've got Cinderella. You know, we've talked about Cinderella the last two weeks. You know, Cinderella, when she acts, she does this thing. She acts in wishes, hoping that a dance will move the prince. Hoping that that one romantic moment, that he would be so moved, and of course in the story he was, but that he'd be so moved that he will fall in love and live what? Happily ever after. But here's the difference between Cinderella and Ruth. Here's the difference between a fairy tale and how God moves. See, Ruth acts in faith. Ruth acts in faith, trusting that her promise will move Boaz, the promise of a kinsman redeemer. In much the same way as we approach God, we approach God in faith, trusting that God will be moved, not by our beauty or how well we smell or don't smell so good, or how wonderful we are or how wonderful we are not, that God will be moved by a promise, a promise he made long, long ago. To humanity when they broke their promise to God in the garden. A promise he made that he would send one of his descendants, his son, our Savior Jesus. A promise fulfilled in Jesus who lived his life for us, who gave his life for us at the cross, and who is our risen Savior, validating all of God's promises to us and assuring us, assuring you today that just as Ruth could go to Boaz in faith, trusting that he would act on that promise, so we can go to God in faith, trusting that he will act on his promise to love us, to care for us, to redeem us, and to restore us. If we're going to be about growing in Jesus and sharing his love, then you know, we are called to act in that faith. We're called to, well... Take a risk and be vulnerable and trust in God. So here's a question for us to kind of wrestle through this coming week. What is one area in your life that you can take a risk and trust God? I, and that may sound counter to some ways that we think as a Christians, or at least the way we think we're supposed to think. But the reality is, we have those moments when we really do feel like we're taking a risk to trust God. We have those moments maybe that we did trust him and then we decided we couldn't trust him. But God, he is true to his promise to hear everything that we have on our hearts. God is true to his promise to redeem us, to restore us, and to love us. Let's pray. Lord God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of your amazing grace and love, for the promise that you fulfill in Jesus. And Jesus, you are the promise fulfilled. Now we know we can trust, without a doubt, our God's love, our God's care, our God's redemption, our God's restoration. We pray that we can be vulnerable to you, to trust you, and all that you offer us, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. 
Thanks for listening. And until next time, God bless.